are in for a treat today. Ladies, gentlemen, kids, animals, whoever is listening out there in radio land, this is a special episode, episode, episode. This is our first ever, but soon to be seasonal episode called Movies You Should Read. This is where we take on a movie that is based on a book, novel, or short story, and we look at how that movie compares to the source material or differs who knows my guest today is chelsea stubbs and she selected the girl with all the gifts based on the novel of the same name she had read it i have not we will see don't forget to check out ridley's gaming realm you can search them on facebook that's r-i-d-l-e-y and make sure you tell them dfat sent you that's it that's all i have on with the show Hey Chelsea. Hey Bobby. I'm so excited you're on the podcast finally. I've been I've been pestering you since I started to get you on the podcast. And not only are you on, but this was your idea. I know. And it took me only like five months to decide what book to read. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you tell the listeners what what idea I'm talking about and how you came up with it? Um, what was the idea? <laughs> the idea is that we were going to cover a movie that was based on a book specifically. Right. And and we have in the past, uh, we covered Ready Player One and on, um, I think a couple other movies too. But this is specifically, you know, we, we picked the movie based on the book really versus um, vice versa. And, and we picked uh, the girl with all the gifts. Why, how did we, how did we pick this? Um, well, you know, randomly one day I just put this movie on for background noise. And I didn't know it was a book. And then I started researching and I was like, oh, it's a book. This would be like great for to talk about. I'm not a huge movie person. I'm more of a book person. So when you were like, I want you to come on my podcast, we talk about movies. And I'm like, you were, I'm the wrong person to talk to. (laughs) You (laughs) read a lot, right? Like you read a lot of books. I read more than a normal person should. (laughs) (laughs) That's well put. Yeah. What, I mean, why? I, I mean, that's kind of a stupid question, but why do you read so much? Um, I don't know because I hated reading. I would refuse to read when I was younger. Um, my mom actually started uh, on me when I she she got me to read when I was sick one day, um, and she got me a bunch of comic books. So I read yeah. like Archie and you know the Jughead, Betty, you know, like all that Veronica. So that's how I got started reading, and then from there it was just like. I ignored everybody in my life (laughs) and would just read. My grandma would send me like books. No joke. I would see like the mail come and I would know like my would send me a book and I would be outside playing with like all my friends. Okay. Bye guys. (laughs) See you later. And then I would just read. That's crazy. I mean, that's great. Um, So, so you put this movie on, you put, you put the movie on as background noise. This is, this is a very important question. Did you know what the movie was about when you first turned it on? Um, I didn't care. It was a zombie movie. So like I'm all for some zombie movies. But you knew that much. I knew that much. I knew there was like a weird girl with like crazy looking eyes and like a mask. And I was like, gotta, ha- gotta watch it. Gotta there looks like there, this looks like a post-apocalyptic world scenario. This is, this is perfect. So not only did you know what the movie was about, but you have read the book. I have not read the book. And when you picked this I, I had heard of the movie. I'd seen the poster before, but that was really the extent of it. I had only ever seen the movie poster. And apparently I didn't see the movie poster very 
well either because I thought that maybe this was a movie about a girl with like superpowers. Like I don't I don't know. Maybe she's Run like so wrong. like so I had recently and I say recently I use that uh very loosely. We had watched um Brightburn for the podcast, which is about a little boy who essentially has Superman powers, but he turns evil. So when I saw the movie poster for this and she's got the, like the Hannibal Lecter mask on, I was like, oh, this is about a female, like a child superhero who's bad, like obviously. And man, this movie was not about that at all. <laughs> and it was it was really I thought it was a, I think the benefit walking into watching this and having no idea what the movie is about because it blew my freaking mind. But before we get into that, um, that is ultimately the goal we're going to talk about here today is, was it a good movie? But before we get into that, before we find out what your opinion was, you you read the book. So give me some details about the book. How how long was it? Was it an interesting read? How is it very similar or not close at all to the movie? Stuff like that. So the book is, uh, I forget how many chapters, but it's 420 pages. Okay, so um, I mean, not not terribly long. No, not terribly long. Um, it follows pretty well with the movie, um, kind of. There are some major things I think that they missed out on. Um, and then there's some things that I was like, oh, that'd be kind of interesting if it was in the book. <laughs> you know, like, you know, if they would do that. But, um, you get more character development in the book, of course, because, you know, you got to get all the backgrounds and everything than you do in the movie. But they did the characters very well in the movie, I think. Um, they probably could have done Gallagher a little bit better, um, Parks, but I think Dr. Caldwell, um, Justin New and Melanie, I think they did pretty well as for mm-hmm. like building the characters up. So that that's so you have a unique perspective as well because your husband has written screenplays before, correct? Has he? <laughs> I, I believe so. At least that was his intention at one <laughs> no, point. No, he has. Like... So he 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 uh he does, and he like he tells me all about him, and I zone out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> As a good wife should. As a good wife, um, you know, and I just like, oh yeah, that sounds but interesting. Do you, do you know how long a screenplay is usually? His screenplay, um, too long because I, I told him if I was the person reading the book, I would just be like, I'm done. Like we're over. <laughs> you're not J.J. Abrams. Like quit while you're ahead. <laughs> I don't need so, thirty different time scenarios. <laughs> most most of your screenplays are gonna max out. At like a hundred pages, like if that. I mean, uh, I've heard of screenplays as as little as twenty pages or twenty five pages. So when you're talking about taking a four hundred and something page book and squishing it down into a screenplay, that's a lot of times what people say. Oh, the book was better, had more detail. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like a, a third of the of the size. Um, the screenplay is. But with that being said, you also brought up some of the characters. I want to get into that a little bit. So, uh, Melanie, who is the little girl is essentially the star of this movie. She is played by an actress by the name of Senia Nanua. I'm, and I'm sure I'm butchering that. Um, she hasn't been in anything really since, wasn't really in anything before this. Um, one of the interesting things I heard about this was she they had, they had auditioned 500 different little girls for this role. When I say little girls, I mean she's probably 13. I don't know, somewhere around there. Anyway, she was number 500. She was the last girl to be auditioned for this role. And they said that as soon as they, they interviewed her, um, they, they loved her. Super intelligent, but also warming, um, not overeager. So I, I think she did a phenomenal job in this movie. Yeah, no, she was great. In the little, I mean, they didn't speak a lot in this movie. As you can see, there wasn't a lot of dialogue. 
but like she I don't feel like she spoke a lot there's a lot of internal dialogue um in the book with mm-hmm. her more than there is like speaking um but she did a, I thought she did great and I'm surprised that this is like her first major movie role because like yeah she was great with she was really it. good yeah. Um, when you say there's a lot of internal dialogue in the book, that's interesting to me. So she she's essentially a zombie, and we'll get into the details about that later. But what, what kind of earn? In, yeah, which I love. I, I love that they they refer to the zombies in this movie as hungries, which when they first said it, I was like, that is a amazing name. So simple, right? <laughs> so simple. <laughs> they are uh, hungry. What what sort of internal dialogue is there? I mean, is she? There's a lot. She thinks. So she's. she's you could tell from the movie that she is smart. Like especially mm-hmm. when they like are in the classroom and she's like answering all the questions and like she's asking for more. She's like very inquisitive and she wants to learn. So there's so in her mind, like I mean, they're in a cell for like twenty hours out of the day, right? They're only out of the cell for a couple hours in the classroom and then back again. Um. So she the whole time she's thinking. She doesn't sleep. You know, so they sit they there. They don't sleep. They don't sleep. That I didn't pick up sleeping out of the book at all. Like they don't sleep. She doesn't go to the bathroom. She doesn't have regular body functions. Yeah, that's interesting because they don't. They don't. Spe- they don't tell you one way or the other in the movie. But you do get. I mean, there's a bed in her cell. Um. So I never. I never questioned it. But that's interesting. They don't sleep. So I mean, is the internal dialogue? Is it uh, zombified at all? No. She's a normal person. Like, she's thinking, you know, she's wondering why she's there. She doesn't know where she came from. She doesn't know anything other than the cell in the classroom. That's crazy. So she doesn't remember anything from a time before, basically. So everything she's learning is in that classroom. Past that, she doesn't know anything. Okay. Uh, so arguably, one of the other leads in the movie is a character by the name of Helen Justinia? Justinia? I think it's Justin. Just, Justin New? Justin New? Okay, we'll go with that. Maybe, yeah. Uh, she's played by uh, Gemma Arturiton. I think from now on, everybody who enters Hollywood should just be like a Brad Pitt. Uh, much easier to say. <laughs> right. She is from Hansel and Gretel. She's from uh, with Jeremy Renner in 2013. She's from Murder Mystery in 2019. Uh, she's been in a, a couple different films. You'd probably recognize her if you saw her type actress. But this is really, I think... Other than Hansel and Gretel, one of her first leading roles. Um, I, I, have you seen anything else she's been in? I haven't. What Not did you think I... of her acting in this? Um. Okay. I mean, she matches the character in the book. Spot on. Um, I don't think much more of it. <laughs> yeah, my, my only issue is I can't... I think she, her character is supposed to be like the motherly figure right, um, yeah. for uh, Melanie. But I, I didn't get the sense from her. She played the motherly part very well, but I can't picture that motherly character in the setting that that they are in, uh, specifically on the base before it gets overrun. She's surrounded by essentially assholes and very authoritative, um, focused you know, military personnel, and she stands out like a sore thumb. And that was the only kind of thing that kind of threw me off a little bit in the beginning. Yeah, I don't in the book. I don't think she. I gotta. I can't really remember, but I don't think she's like um, military born. Like she wasn't like in the military before all this happened. Okay. I, I think she's just basically like a teacher. Still though, figure, I mean, this has been but, going like, on. Thirty. And, years. Actually, they don't tell you in the the movie how long this has been going on. They, I don't think they don't, but you can kind of guess by the way the surroundings are that we're going. Well, so here's the thing. 
so we find out, you know what, let's take this one step at a time. Cause I'm really excited about this. Cause it, it, this is how I found out. So I'm watching the movie and the movie starts off and you got Melanie in her cell. She's literally in like a prison cell. She's got a prison jumpsuit. And what's even crazier is she's counting down. And while she's counting down, she's like kind of buckling herself into like a wheelchair. Uh, it was very clear that she doesn't need the wheelchair. It's, it's, it's meant to keep, her strapped down or not do anything but she's a functioning you know child at this point so what could she possibly do then two armed guards come in uh aiming uh, assault rifles at her and essentially make sure she's strapped down and then wheel her to a classroom where you see 19 other kids in the same jumpsuit in the same wheelchair strapped in so at this point i'm still operating <laughs> under the assumption great opening though right. the movie right perfect oh, great opening she's clearly an evil superhero right. that needs to be strapped into a wheelchair and uh, and present it with automatic rifles. So then we get the teacher. She comes in, and she's obviously a motherly figure. Right, right off the bat, she's very motherly to them. She reads them a story. Um, she ends up touching Melanie on the head like, you know, good job or like sympathy or whatever. And then immediately we're met with Sergeant Eddie Parks. He's played by Patty Considen. Um, he's from The World's End with Simon Pegg in 2013, also House of Dragon. He's going to have a huge role in the upcoming Game of Thrones spinoff, House of Dragon, so that's exciting. Um, other than that, he hasn't really been in much. Uh, English actor, I think he played this role amazing. I think he did yeah. a really good job. He did, he did. Um, so how did you take, did you, did you feel like his character was likable at all? So that's that's a really, really good question. And I'm, I'm anxious to hear your take on it as well, because I think that based on my experience in the military, uh, I, he was likable to me. I mean, he was clearly somebody who had a mission, understood the seriousness of his mission and didn't let his emotions get in the way of executing that in, in the serious context that it needed. But I could understand as somebody you know not in the military, seeing that and, and seeing him as cold or unlikable. So I Completely, but movie, I could see that people would perceive him as unlikable character. Very, like, military-wise, yes, he's perfect for the role. He's got it down. He's he's doing what he has to do, you know. He's following orders, and that's what he's, you know. There's no questions asked, basically. Um, and then he does that the whole movie. In the book, uh, basically the same thing. He calls them freaking abortions. Um, in the... <laughs> But he doesn't actually. That's a good point. He doesn't. They don't do that in the book. There is really? no right. So that makes him more of an unlikable character. I think they try to play that more um, in the movie. Huh. But I, the abortions, are, I think, are mentioned once. He calls them. He tells like the new new people, the new military people that are coming in. He, you be, you should be afraid of these abortions. You know, blah blah blah. Um, but he doesn't. He doesn't say that at all, really, in the book. So you think um, he's more likable in the book? He builds his character built to be more likable towards the end. Um, and Miss uh, Justin New um, kind of sees him that way, but she can't see past all the like the murder because she knows like all yeah. you know, like he's done terrible things, and so is she because she's complacent in the fact that they are keeping these children as test subjects in this like base. I mean, you bring up a good point. So in the book, Sergeant Parks and uh, Miss Justinu, they have a relationship, correct? They, uh, towards the end, um, very, very end. There is no, she hates them up until like the last like three chapters of the book, I would say. 
So I got to admit, I got some, I got some tastes of that in the movie that I assume was probably cut out due to runtime. Uh, there's a comment that Melanie makes early on. So, so Sergeant Parks comes storming in the room at Miss Justinu and, and proceeds to remind her how crazy these creatures are. He spits on his arm and kind of rubs it in, and then presents it to one of the kids, who immediately starts like chattering his teeth. It's clear that he wants to attack the sergeant. Um, and then the other kids in the classroom start doing it a little bit too. And uh, he pulls out some some ointment or whatever, rubs it on his arm, and it kind of stops and he exits the room. Now, at this point, I'm watching that and I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. Um, I wonder what that is or how that's going to play into this whole superhero thing that this movie's clearly about. <laughs> um, we then get introduced later on to Dr. Caroline Caldwell, played by Glenn Close, which is insane. Glenn Close... Um, from uh, uh, she had a throwaway part in Guardians of the Galaxy shortly after this, and really hasn't been in anything since Hillbilly uh, until Hillbilly Elegy in 2020, which is critically panned as a very bad movie. Glenn Close to me is one of those actresses that is amazing in certain roles, and in other roles, she I think she's good in the role, but she picks it for a really bad movie, Hillbilly Elegy being one of them. I. Did not like her in this movie. What? No, I did not. I just thought it was, maybe it was the line she had in the book. Dr. Caldwell was like a really great character. And the fact that she's what she is, you know, but they didn't really play that into the movie. Dr. Caldwell is like completely insane in this book. She is focused on finding the cure. She's really all about the recognition. Really? I don't, I don't think she cares really about the finding the cure as more as she cares about people recognizing her for doing it. Huh. Like she literally at the end of the book is like, Oh, they'll remember me and they'll call the, what do they call it? The Ophiocordyceps or something. That's what they call the, the, um, the spores that we'll get into later. Probably the trees that are coming yeah. out of these, these, uh, hungries now. Um, she like names it that. And then a play off of like a scientific name of her, her name. So like still to the end, she's like, People will recognize me for doing all this great work. Like they didn't make, they made her really not seem all about herself in the movie. And I feel like if they played that up, it would have been like, she would have been a great, like psychotic. See, <laughs> like, that's, doctor. that's interesting. And that's, this is, this is one of the great things we're going to get out of this podcast is I, I, having not read the book, saw her character as more of a bridge between the all heart, uh, Miss, uh, just Justini whatever her name is. Justin um, <laughs> New, yes. Miss Justin New and the all focus of Sergeant Parks. Glenn Close plays this character really walking a tightrope between understanding the humanity that is in these children and also realizing the amount of destruction they could do. And I, I do think she's very focused on finding a cure in the movie. That's definitely... You could see the wheels turning at almost every point right. in the movie that that's what she's focused on. But she has several conversations with Miss Justinu about her um, struggle between the monster and the child, which I thought was really well played. No. So she does not care. She does not see these wow. children as anything but hungries. They are not alive. They are like they're dead. They're, they don't mean anything. They're just a specimen on my table to dissect. 
Jeez. Um, and crazy. I think they could have played that up more because up until the end, that's exactly what she's all about. It is. I I liked her. I think I probably liked her character more than anybody else in the book because she stayed true to who she was. Yeah. Like she didn't sugarcoat it. She, all she wanted to do was get Melanie on the table and dissect her and figure out how, why her brain works different than the others. Like Melanie wasn't the first one. Like they call her test subject number one or like subject one or like child one. She wasn't. Like she, there was many before her, but she was the smartest out of every single one of them. Yeah. Um, so that, that's very evident. So, um, Dr. Cal Caldwell is talking to Melanie at night while, while she's in her room, they have several conversations, but at the end of every conversation, she asks her to pick a number one through 20 and Melanie puts together very quickly that whatever number she says, that child doesn't show up to class the next day. So Melanie has a little bit of an outburst with her you know, need for blood and kind of um, gets angry at herself and gives her own number uh, for the next number for Mrs. Mr. Dr. Carl Caldwell's experiments. She's then taken to a room and she's about to be dissected. Now, at the same time, what's happening in the background is the base is being attacked. And this is great. This is they don't th this is a zombie movie that does not put the zombie in the forefront. Um, the, the hungries are attacking this compound. They overrun the fences. They're running around, they're eating everybody. But even in the sense of this, you know, kind of, um, battle that's happening, I, I, the camera's not focused on the zombies or the hungries rather. It's focused on Melanie and, um, uh, Justin new and Dr. Caldwell and Sergeant Parks. And there's a couple other people and their attempt to get out of the base. Right. First major divergence from the book, I think. Um, why were why were the Hungries attacking the base? Um, I don't know. I, I will tell you that it was the, also the first major divergent from the superhero movie that I was watching. <laughs> at the same um, time. <laughs> at the same time. I was like, clearly this is not a superhero movie. <laughs> and I was wrong, which, which was great because, again, the zombies are so not the forefront that this movie at this point is completely taking me by surprise and continues to moving forward. So in the book, does it explain why the base yeah. is being attacked? And it's so funny. And I, I get why maybe it just because they were such an insignificant part of the book. Um, so it wouldn't really play out well in the movie. So at the, so Gallagher, we don't really haven't talked about him much. Um, not, not the sharpest tool in the shed. Definitely That's why not. in the box. <laughs> he, so he is one of the guards that is going to escape with this group. He is a main character for a large part of the movie he was on patrol i guess the day before or like hours before i can't i don't really remember the timeline in the book but him and another person were and they came across hungries and they ran they come out of like the brush or the tree line and there are what they call junkers people who didn't make it to beacon which is like the safe haven stayed outside the wire basically so these junkers have guns pointed at him and they're like, Braun, you know, like they're still running away from these hungries that are chasing him. The hungry or they weren't past the drunkers as they were going to try to shoot him. Something scuffle happens. All he hears is screaming in the background. So he gets back to base. He reports to parks and says, we came across hungries. We ran, we came across drunkers. Um, we heard screaming. Basically they probably were eaten. There were three of them. Um, so like the next few hours, the base gets overran by these hungries. It's the junkers pushing the hungries towards the base. And Parks thinks it's in retaliation for getting the junkers killed by the hungries. 
Gallagher could be the cause of the whole basically. Yeah, like, which doesn't overrun. surprise me. That, that's actually crazy. So junkers are not in the movie at, at all. all. And right. uh, it this is this is kind of where when you take a, a book and turn it into a movie, um, fans of the book will get upset. But you have to understand it from from a studio's perspective. Imagine and this is gonna be a pretty bad analogy, but imagine you have a nice steak in front of you, and um, you know this is the book. And as you're turning it into a movie, you've got to cut off the fat, and a lot of times you have to cut it down so much you start cutting off some of the meat as well, right. if you will. And that's how you know mo- movies can lose full storylines that appear in the book that don't appear in the movie because it's just the easiest thing to cut out. And you can lose 20 minutes. You know, there's there's so many director's cuts of movies that are three hours long. And studios need that trimmed down to an, an hour 45. And you're talking half the movie. Storylines are going get, to get thrown out. So, so what are Junkers and how are they more in the book? So the Junkers are people, obviously, who didn't make it to the safe zone, who decided not to go to the safe zone, which is Beacon. Um, which is Why like, would I guess, anybody... Just, just, I don't know how this would play in normal society. Why would anybody willingly choose not to do something that could potentially save their life? I don't understand how that would, I mean, that's I so unbelievable it's so, to me. It's very unbelievable in this day and age, you know, right. like 2020, 2021. <laughs> Defat Comics is the publishing branch of Don'tForgetATowel.com the only place to travel geekly. Focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. DFAT Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment with DFAT Comics. Do you remember Conan on Nintendo? Oh, how about Earthworm Jim on 64? That was my jam! Do you wish you still had it? Or maybe you have it and you're looking to clean out your collection and make some extra cash. Luckily, either way, we have the answer for you. Ridley's Gaming Realm. It's a one-stop shop for great gaming discussion, as well as a place for retro buying, selling, and trading without all the fees and drama of the other selling sites. They pride themselves on having over a year of zero reported scams. And you can find them on Facebook. Just search Ridley's Gaming Realm. That's R-I-D-L-E-Y-S. Or click on the link in the show description. And make sure you tell them DFAT sent you. So basically, they're scavengers, right? They are living out in the the wild with all these hungries. And I guess they're stuck on revenge because they eventually, you know, they they escape base. They hop in a, a tank, basically, like throughout the movie. They're like running, they're running away from the junkers to get to Beacon. Um, the junkers chase them all up, up to a certain point, and I forget where they deviate. But after that point, the junkers aren't mentioned at all in the book, except for one part. Melanie makes up a story we will okay. get to later. But like, it, they're so like cutting the fat in that scenario, fine, because they weren't really a part of the story other than they were like tracking them. And and for the for the movie, there there's no real reason for the hungries to be attacking the base. They just are the zombies. They attack. Right. And their motivation to get to Beacon is just survival. They don't need, you know, the junkers pushing them towards Beacon. Exactly. So there's, I mean, cutting that fat, that's fine. That was bad fat. That wasn't the good fat, in my opinion. Yeah, the runtime on this movie is 111 minutes. Uh, it's an hour and 51 minutes. That's that's kind of average, I would say. 
Um, hour 45 is usually average, so hour 51 isn't bad at all. I could definitely see where, you know, maybe an original cut of this might have been, you know, close to three hours with some of the, the side stories and stuff. Yeah. I mean, the main focus of the book is are these characters getting through the city, basically, and trying to find or so, trying to locate themselves to begin. Let's let's talk about the book real quick. So the book, uh, it's a novel uh, by the same name, The Girl with All the Gifts, and it's written by Mike Carey. Yeah, Mike Carey. Have he you actually, read? No, I haven't read any of his stuff. I thought you might have because he writes comics yeah he's so I a found that comic book writer yeah. yeah he wrote lucifer um which is part of the sandman series also a big popular show on fx and hulu and probably two other networks he wrote some of fantastic four some x-men and a couple others um but yeah he's mainly a comic book writer which is kind of cool he's written a couple novels this is one of them and it was quickly turned into a movie um distributed by warner brothers but only warner brothers in britain the American distribution was given to a company called Saban Films. And I am, I, oh, they've, they've Chelsea, done some movies, right? You're going to get, they've done a lot of movies. Right. You're going to get so many points right now. If you can tell me what Saban, oh. what his claim to fame is, Mr. I, Saban. I, I can't. And I know it's probably like right on the top of my head because I'm like, oh, Saban, I know that from somewhere. So I get no points. <laughs> so Saban. Uh, the gentleman who runs the Saban entertainment industry, he got his money by purchasing the American distribution of the Power Rangers. Oh. What's very interesting about his story, though, is that when he when he bought and licensed the distribution, he made it a requirement that everything that has Power Rangers, essentially changing the name of the characters from the Power Rangers to saban presents the power rangers so every single movie that's a power ranger movie has to have the saban logo in the beginning which is just insane these are the, these are the deals you don't see hollywood this doing is anymore. hilarious so like, the this is this is the girl with all the gifts brought to you by uh the power rangers guy it's uh it's released august 3rd in 2016 at a film festival it does really well it then gets the uk distribution that september and then uh doesn't come to the united states until the following february uh official u.s release is february 24th 2017. Uh, it opens against only in the u.s it opens against get out Logan, oh. John Wick Chapter Two, Rings, like this. This movie got Terrible. buried. It got it totally got buried. It like got smashed. Got smashed. And this is like, and I feel like if this was put out at the right time, people would have been like, "This is like a great movie." Because yeah. Alec watched it with me, and he had no idea what it was about, and he was like, "This is really great." And he doesn't really say that about a lot of movies that I pick. <laughs> so I was like, "Score one for me." Um. And he liked it. So, I mean, like, I think it would have done really well in the box office if it wasn't put next to Get Out and Logan. Because <laughs> Get Out is a is an amazing, amazing. movie. It's it's one of the, the best movies I've ever seen, the original premise. Um, and then, yeah, Logan, which has obviously got a huge comic book following. It's Hugh Jackman's last Wolverine movie. Yeah, horrible movie. Know. But, yeah. you know, uh, then John Wick Chapter 2 obviously had a huge following as well and went on to make a third one. And, and probably, I, I think just it's watched Green that Netflix. last night. The third one? Yeah. Is it any good? I have it's the only one I you haven't, haven't seen. seen it? Alec thinks it's stupid, but I like them. So I like the first one. The second one got stupid, so then I never watched the third one, but I heard it was good. They're making another one. Or Alex says they're well, they have to make another one. But yeah. Alex says that there is two more in the works, I think. But yeah. they're female versions. 
Oh, and that, made by two different studios. So it's going to be interesting. Ridiculous. Uh, the movie is directed by Colm McCarthy. It's really his first and only movie he's directed. He's done a bunch of TV shows, including Black Mirror, Doctor Who, Peaky Blinders. Um, but that's really his, his whole repertoire is TV shows, uh, which is a shame because I'd like to see him direct some more stuff. This is a, this is a really good movie. I enjoy yeah, it and it, it followed the book pretty well. They leave the base. The middle part of the movie is going to be a lot of filler. They're going through a rundown, empty city, which is supposed to be London, I believe, is what he says. Going through downtown London. London, yeah. Um, I, I could be wrong about that, but he he mentions that they're going through a city, and this is shot in Prip, Pripyat, which is near Chernobyl. Uh, Chernobyl, the the nuclear event happening in 1986. Obviously, they had to evacuate the city pretty fast, so you can imagine the context of the film. It's it's in a city. That is is built, and it looks like everybody in the city just got up one day and left, and the plants have started to overgrow. Um, and the reason why it looks like that is because that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so they they go through this city during the process of which they discover a couple things. Uh, number one, we we find out the origins of Melanie. She was a baby in the womb when apparently her mother was bitten. And these these guards, or not the guards, the soldiers, out on a patrol one day, stumble across basically a whole icky you full of mo- pregnant mothers who have had infants basically eating the way out of the mother, um, which is because they're they're hungry. But they're born hungry, which is crazy. Is it the same thing in the novel? So we don't learn that really what happens or like who Melanie is or where she came from until towards the last like two chapters of the book. Um, They basically just tell her she's probably an abandoned child from the junkers or something. Um, She's not, not like not that she was born with this infection. That would have been better. They should have held off towards the end. Cause we, we find that out probably within the first half hour of the movie. Right. And, and towards the end, she's like, don't tell me anymore because it basically Dr. Caldwell saying like you, to sustain life as an infant, you ate your mother. Like, to, like basically, to survive, you yeah. ate your mother. Um, but yeah, so they they don't say any of that until the end of the end of the book. I think they should have waited too towards the end of the movie and give it more suspense, like building. You know, like where, where did she come from? Where did all the other ones come from? You know, kind of issues. Um, but yeah, so I think that was a major miss in the the movie. They think they did it too soon. I think that building the mis- letting the mystery just stay there and letting her have her yeah. innocence still mm-hmm. kind of in the movie because she she's very innocent. Like yeah. she's this is a whole new world to her. You know, she yeah, doesn't I understand. Once you find out that, you know, her origins, you, you do kind of look at her like, is she going to is she gonna pop? You know, during one of these events, because they keep sending her out because the, the hungries won't attack her because they think she's one of them. But yet she's conscious enough where they can hide in a building and send her out to see if it's clear or try to find food or whatever. And they do that a couple times to the point where they really start developing a bond with her, specifically right. uh, Sergeant Parks um, starts kind of trusting her a little bit. And, you know, she doesn't wear her mask all the time and so on and so forth. It's basically as long as you keep her fed um, and she does, you know, she feeds off various animals they stumble across then she's she's in complete control and she's good. It's when she starts getting hungry and the more she gets hungry, the less able she is able to control it. Right. Yeah. So it's same in the book. Um Sergeant Parks trusts her more. Um not fully because he still understands that she is a hungry at the core. Like she will eat you. Um but they wear the e-blocker which is like the scent reduction basically lotion right. that they 
they put on her. And when, like, it gets wiped off, obviously she, like, goes on the frenzy and stuff like that. But in the book, she, towards the end, she builds up almost, like, an immunity to it. Like, she, the smell of them. Because they obviously run out of it because they don't have a stockpile of this e-walker right. on them. Um, so she builds up an immunity to it, which which is almost like, okay, so she, can everyone build up immunity to this? Right. So they don't so, they don't touch yeah. on that at all in the movie. The, the e blockers mentioned, um, but it's kind of just as a quick explanation as to why they're not getting attacked all the time. And as the movie goes on, it becomes kind of a background thought. Right. They, they don't ever reference them running out of it or any of that. Yeah. So in the book, they definitely constantly say he's because they you know they like go through the rain. Obviously, that's going to wash it off. Sweat. You know. Um, how how long is their journey in the book? Ah. Uh, I have no idea. Like maybe three days. Okay. <laughs> it's I, like 40 I, pages before the base gets over in. Like it's, a th- or like, it's a lot. There's a lot of like Stephen King description, like internal dialogue kind of stuff. So I'm just like, try, you just, Dean Kooten's kind of stuff. You just are like, okay, get to the story, get to the yeah. line. Let's go. <laughs> Build yeah, me the, up here. In the movie, the entire journey looks like it takes, uh, they don't really like, they don't go into detail, but I, I would say maybe a max of five days. Um, yeah, I guess that was about the same timeline. Um, Three, until they, yeah, until they find the um, that like mobile lab, basically. Yeah, so that's so they're they're going through the city. They stumble across this mobile lab, um, at, at which point uh, Doctor Caldwell says, "This is this is all I need. With this, I can finish my experiment, which is essentially dissecting Melanie." Um, our our guard, or, or I keep saying guard because it looks like a prison in the beginning. Our soldier uh, who caused all this he's eaten um by a horde of other melanies essentially children who are infected but not turned and what's interesting about this is also on this journey they figure out that the infection unlike most zombie movies is not a virus it's a fungus um this is based on a real life fungus called the zombie fungus um uh, the scientific name is O-U- Telelius. Ophiocordyceps. There you go. Um, you also green light as a doctor. That's awesome. I, I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> like, like... Uh, so this is a real fungus that is in ants where the fungus will infect the ant, essentially eat away its ability to think in its, with its own brain, and then use its body to move the ant to the, to the tallest part of the plant, at which point the ant essentially dies and the fungus grows out of it like a tree disperses spores and and infects more ants. The movie you find out on this journey, not only is it a fungus, but it's also grouping together the hungries in one area so it can create a large plant and disperse the spores that they stumble across this, this tower of uh, pods. Yeah. Um, kind of same thing happens in the book. Did you, I think I got more from the book, I mean, from the movie that Dr. Caldwell already knew about this. Like she had like a sense of like, this was happening. I think they definitely knew that it was a fungus. Uh, and she does make an off colored comment in the beginning where she says, um, they seem to be grouping in large areas. We don't know why. Yeah. And then it's not until they find the tower and the spores where she goes, oh, this is clearly, you know, just by seeing this, I can deduce that this is clearly what's going on. In the book, yeah, it was like kind of the same revelation. Um, She just didn't, she still didn't understand. She knew what the pods were. She mentions the pods like, oh, yeah, you know, they're 
some event would happen. She didn't say what type of event would open these pods and the spores and would cause like the end of the world the second time. And she Little bangs arm. it on the ground. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk out. about her getting injured in the right. So that's that's one of the things that I struggled with. So so first with the pods, they're indestructible. She does quickly deter in the movie that oh yeah, they're indestructible. They would probably open with water or fire. Right. And it was like, like well, that was clearly foreshadowing. foreshadowing. And also, how do you know that? <laughs> if these well, are the first times that you like <laughs> seen them, like, right? How do you know? What I also really liked was. Again, it appeared that she knew they were fungus uh, right. in the beginning of the movie. She's but smart. She's very smart. When you start to get the close-ups of the hungries as they're walking through the city, the the virus presents itself as as fungus. the 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 makeup in this movie was amazing. I didn't oh, yeah. see anywhere where it was uh, nominated for any awards, but I think I think the makeup artist should have definitely got nominated. Oh yeah, they. I think they were great. They were great zombie esque. Even better, I think, than most. Because, you know, like, you get the decaying, like, skins falling off kind of, like, scenarios in most zombie movies. But this one, it was definitely more focused on, like, these are living organisms. Like, this is a fungus. You know, they were, like, getting the green spots on their face. It looks like they're cracked-dried skin. You know, Yeah, and the fact that it's a real... The fact that this is a real fungus and the, the book and movie are central around the idea that this fungus could spread to humans and we're living through a pandemic... That was a little uneasy to to watch. <laughs> Perfect movie. I love watching this. <laughs> so it prepares this, me. This is the point. So okay, let's talk about Dr. Caldwell getting attacked. Right. I don't remember this happening in the movie. Oh, okay. And when she reveals the outcome, I was very surprised. I'm like, when the hell did that happen? This okay. So when they had Melanie on the table to like mm-hmm. dissect her, the base, the siren started in the movie. And then, like, the second doctor, or, like, Miss Justin, who busted in there and was, like, with, like, the fire hydrant, I think. Like, she yeah, was, like, fire extinguisher. Yeah, exactly. Not hydrant, because then she would be, like, Superwoman. <laughs> um, it's a superhero movie. <laughs> yeah, it's superhero movie, of course. The siren started going off, and like, she sprays her in the face with, like, the pepper spray. <laughs> which is great. Which was hilarious. But anyway, so the alarm goes off. The doctor tells the other doctor to shut the blinds. Mm-hmm. The metal lines that come down. So, of course, she, like, shuts it and is, like, not looking at the open window to see if, like, anything is coming for them. She just assumes they're safe. Why not? I mean, you would think if something was coming from them, there'd be some sort of alarm going Going off. off. She's all calmly, like, should we evacuate? She's like, no, shut the blinds. And then, like, she walks over there and, like, turns away from the window. And then the zombie, like, of course, like, attacks her through the window. Um, So Dr. Caldwell grabs glass like, from the broken window and start right. stabbing, like, a zomb- the zombies in the head. Okay. Um, and that's where she and cuts that's her... how she gets the cut. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so that, she's... and then that, that happens also in the, the movie. That's how it happens with her. So I do, I do remember that scene. I just, I didn't pick up on the fact that she was cut there. And at this point, now we're several days later, it's infected. And she tells, no, she it's with Melanie. She had yeah. the conversation with Melanie. So, so Melanie, Sergeant Parks, and Miss uh, uh, Justinine, or whatever the hell her name is. Um, what is it? Justin New. Justin New. I keep. We're probably making, both wrong, but make I sound it a better. Smith, like makes <laughs> Mrs. Smith. Um, they go out on a little patrol to try to find the other soldier who, at this point, is being eaten by uh, Rugrats, uh, literally from Nickelodeon, and they come back to Doctor Caldwell has filled up this medical uh, bus 
with some sort of gas that knocks them out, uh, which is extremely clever, by the way. Right. Kudos to her. She's like in a suit, her. like yeah, yeah, awesome. And she's doing this because she's she's basically explains to Melanie in the next scene because Melanie does not inhale this because of the fungus. But that's a whole other side story. Um, and tells Melanie, listen, I'm dying. I'm dying because my hand is infected. I'm not going to survive very much longer. You are the key to being able to cure this. You you contain the this what I need to make the um, antibodies in your body, but I need to dissect you. I need to get out of your spinal cord. So that's that's why I want to do this. And it's at this moment that that the movie takes a turn that I was not a fan of. Right. So. And it takes a turn in the book because this doesn't have, I mean, it does happen in the book in one way or another, but this is not how it happens at all. Okay. So. Which I'm really excited about because I'm just like, oh yeah, there is like a huge like deviation that makes it kind of like, I think better. I think they should have went with the book ending and not the movie. I love, I love how we're not, not saying it. Like, this is great. (laughs) Um, So before, before we get into that, the budget for this movie um, was five hundred and five point two five million dollars? Not enough. So five five point two. Box office four point oh eight. It didn't oh, even make its money back, which means it was a failure. We're probably not going to see any sequels in the movie. Doctor Caldwell is explaining to Melanie, "Let me do this." And up until this point in the movie, Melanie is bending over backwards, helping out these humans, uh, and very enthralled by Mrs. Uh, Justin knew. Right. And Dr. Caldwell says, you know, if you want to save Miss Justin knew this is, this is how you're going to save her. You know, it's only a matter of time before she gets attacked. Melanie basically leads Dr. Caldwell outside to where she's eaten, goes over to this tower of pods and lights it on fire. So all the pods get released. She bumps into Sergeant Parks, who is breathing in the pod fumes and is so afraid to turn, he talks Melanie into shooting him and then goes back to where Miss Justinu is inside this medical bus and essentially locks the door and says, you can't come out, you'll get infected. I, I won't go into how it ends, but that's that's what transpires. And the whole, the whole, I'm watching this and I'm like, I feel like up until this point, the character that I've been looking at in Melanie would not do this. She seems like she would she would one hundred percent give her life for Miss Justin New. I imagined, you know, Doctor Caldwell talks her into this. She lays down. She willingly takes the the complete, you know, destruction, and um, they get the vaccine. Everybody lives happily ever after. And there's some statue of this little girl in in Central Park at some point. What happens in the book? <laughs> That's a great dream. That's, I, I, <laughs> I've I, never. I'm thinking of like. Could that be like no? Because that that wouldn't be a zombie movie. Like, what zombie movie ends that way? What do you, I mean, I'm trying to think. Has there never like, been a zombie movie? What happy ending do you want? Sean, no. Sean of the Dead. Sean of the Dead ended positively. Really, Sean? That's the best one. That's, what, <laughs> that's the one I'm picking and I'm sticking no, to it. No zombie movie ends that way. That's you know, that's good pipe dream, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> um. No, um, and so in the book, so where do we, okay, so we deviated from Gallagher. Let's start with Gallagher. Okay. So they get to this, they get to this lab. Gallagher is the other soldier, by the way. The one that we don't talk about because who cares? Um, So so they get to this lab 
Um, Dr. Caldwell is completely doesn't care about anybody. She's like trying to get it all up and running. There's no food. So that's what they in the movie, they send Gallagher out. Well, this in the book, Sergeant Parks is working on the engine because he's trying to get it up and running because it's not working. So right. he's working on that. He tells Justinu and um, Gallagher to go scavenge for food. So they leave together. They're together scavenging for food. Oh. Um, Melanie at this point basically tell ask Sergeant Parks, like, I I wanna I need to eat. Like you guys are smelling way too good. Like <laughs> I need to go. So he lets her go. And then like Miss Justin who's like, oh, but you know, like I want to make sure Melanie's safe, you know, like and he's like, I already let her go. Like basically she's gone. And they're like, what do you mean she's gone? And he's like, she she was hungry. She doesn't want you to see her as a monster. So she wants to basically, you know, get food and come back and, you know, make sure she, you don't see her as someone that's going to potentially eat her one day. <laughs> <laughs> so Melanie's gone, of course. She's on this journey. So Sergeant uh, no Gallagher and uh, Justin go look for food. So they're going through the city and they find some, but it's like crackers and like candy. You know, they come back. Uh, Melanie's not back yet. So Justin, who was like, where is she at? We have to find her. And there's like a flare gun. She fires a flare gun out in the air, which is stupid because the hungries are attracted to sound and light. Yeah. Like, would you do that? That's stupid. Um, it doesn't. Melanie sees it. She's like sitting on a roof contemplating life, basically. She's just like. <laughs> she's taking a break. Right. She's chilling. already done her fill. She's already eaten a cat, a dog, probably uh, at this point. Um, some rats. And she's like, sees the flare and it makes her happy. She's like, oh, maybe I should go back, you know, basically. She's like, <laughs> <laughs> but in that, um, and on her return, she ends up in like a mall. And that's where she sees the children. So she sees these children with like sticks and they're fighting and like they're laughing. And she wants to join in on it. But she's like, I can't. Like, I need to go back. Um, and on the process of her going back, she's like choking because she's crying. Like she's showing emotion. Like she, because she noticed these children are her, these are like her right. family. She sees that they're family. And like, she's like, she feels like a kindred I mean, spirit. Are they though? Because they growl and they got face paint and like, they're crazy. They're not you, Melanie, get it together. Um, so I do want to point out though, that you mentioned the other children are, are laughing and playing with sticks in the movie. They're, they're they're setting a trap to eat somebody. Like that's right. that's the like, so you they don't they're not humanized at all. Not in the fact that they're yeah. So they're not Melanie humanized because she right. was. But think in about the it, book, she was, it sounds like they are a little bit more. Uh well no, I mean they're they're poking <laughs> each other with knives and sticks. I don't know how smart you know that is, but and I mean, they don't have you seen my two my two little ones? <laughs> that's true. Um, <laughs> no, but. I mean, they're not, but they're still children functioning outside of the hungries. They're still, they're not these like standing still adults that are like just growing fungus and waiting to die. So, okay. So besides that, so you she (laughs) makes it back. So it's like the next day she makes it back. She's, she tells him that she has something to tell him. Like she saw something. She makes up this like story of the junkers. The junkers found us, you know, like the junkers, they were, I was at this place. They were like practicing sword fighting basically you know so she makes up this story she's like yeah they were wearing like the same outfits i remember like the tattoo on the guy's shirt or like that arm or whatever like i remember some like symbol and he's and the parks is like are you sure that these are the same ones she's like yeah because right when i was about to leave three came in and said we lost the trail and then like she's like the leader got really mad and sent him back to go find um 
find the trail again or or they were going to become like practiced like with the knife like they were going to be like dummies basically so they're like okay you know we got to figure this out so sergeant parks is like okay everybody close down the lab they got to go so miss justin goes to sergeant parks for something and sergeant parks is like i need you to talk to her because she's making up a bunch of shit <laughs> basically she's a liar he's like i need you to go back she trusts you try to find out what the real story is what did she see because whatever she saw scared her enough to make make us say we have to go like we got to get to beacon you know the place that she really probably doesn't want to go because once she gets to beacon dr caldwell is going to like dissect her brain so <laughs> that's a really good point right so, at like, this point she has no motivation to go no to motivation. Beacon. so gallagher is like freaking out because of course he's like they found us we gotta go you know like he's like in full panic mode miss justin family gets the story from her basically like i saw children like me um, except, you know, they were playing with sticks and knives and laughing. Um, she's like, but you can't tell Sergeant Parks or Miss Dr. Caldwell, because I don't want Dr. Caldwell to be like dissecting them. Sergeant Parks is originally the ones that got the children, you know, before. So she doesn't want him to know about the children. Right. So Miss Justin is basically like, okay, I won't, I've got to figure out something not to tell, you know? And then at that point in that time, she's like, okay, I got to figure out a story. They hear like a rumbling sound. So Sergeant Parks got the mobile lab up and running. Um, so they're like, okay, God, we can go now. You know, basically we can drive to Beacon. Hey, come take a seat at the campfire. You're not the only one who joins. I've got friends that come over sometimes too. We talk about a ton of interesting things from geek culture. Then we cover some conspiracies or philosophical thoughts or monsters. You know, we... Talked about Bigfoot in one episode. It's a lot of fun, so come join me at the Campfire Chats, a DFAT entertainment podcast hosted on Spotify and other fine places you find podcasts. So they, they're getting ready to leave, and they're like, where's Gallagher? This is all not smart. <laughs> so he has no food, like little water. He's like taking off, you know, he goes forever long, and then he's like, he takes a break, and he's like sitting down. And he's like drinks the last of his water and he's like, well, I'm going to starve to death. I better go get food. And he's like, oh, yeah, we found food. Let me go back to that same cachet. Oh, basically. my God. So he doubled back. <laughs> and then that's how he gets eaten. And the same, he finds like the porno mag, which I find hilarious. Like he's a very, in the, his internal monologue, he's very perverted. He's like, it's gross. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I mean, why, did, why is this in the book? It's disgusting. Like, I highlighted a passage. I'm not going to read it because it's kind of gross. Oh, no. You, now you have to read it. Like, he says um while you're doing that i'll say the movie is rated r for disturbing violence bodily bloody images and language it's great the tagline for this movie was our greatest threat is our only hope but right. go ahead, find it he stares up into the featureless dark thinks of the flash of miss of uh, justin news crotch he glimpsed why she was pissing on the gravel outside oh what? jesus <laughs> that's I'm gross like, what no so, of course, um, no big loss with him, right? He wasn't really like that great of a character, dies, whatever. What I don't get is, let the guy go. Why are we searching for him? So they go to look for him. Which, for the they record, the, they, they, they abandoned movie. 150 other people at, on base when they hopped into a truck and just booked it. <laughs> booked it. But this one guy who ran off on his own, let's go spend some time looking for him. The five days that we've been with him, we really started to care. Let's go right. search for him no idea where he went like who cares he left we're ready to go first of all they got the vehicle running why don't they just take the vehicle they walked what? for him they, they walked for him <laughs> so obviously dr cobble is in no condition to be going anywhere right 
So they leave her behind. Melanie does her like search dog thing, you know, smelling for him. Um, they obviously they find his body. So they're making their way back leisurely, apparently. Dr. Caldwell, meanwhile, is in this the lab. She passes out. And I guess she passes out by the door, but she wakes up and she a little girl staring at her. Oh. The, like at like outside. And then she sees all the other children coming out of like the area. Right. So they've obviously found this mobile lab that they're in. So she's so she tests the door. So there's an interlock chamber. She's testing how fast it opens and closes because what she sees is not kids. She sees test subjects. Right, of course. Why not trap one? She doesn't do it fast enough and she like squashes one in between the door. So, like, yeah. It's horrible. It's just terrible. But she's like, here. She's like, whatever. You know, it kind of worked anyway. So she's got like half this kid in this like unit, but she obviously the door can't close all the way now. Right. So now all these kids are like trying to open it and like poke of all things. The guts. So they slingshot a rock. She's in the suit, by the way. So they slingshot a rock and it like hits the mask off and she's now bleeding from the face, cuts on her arms. Um, she realizes she made she messed up. Yeah, you know, like she's because she's like, they're gonna get through this door, it's not closing. Um, so she she's like trying to figure out the controls of how to start this. She's still like kind of like in this delirious stage of like going in and out. So she like starts it up and she starts moving basically this this massive lab unit. So she's driving it down the road. But the obviously the kids stuck in the door, people kids are hanging off the door. She starts ramming into things, trying to like knock these kids. Oh it's like speed. God. Like she's like at the end like, of this book, everybody just lost their mind. Exactly. Like literally the last three chapters, I'm like, what has happened? This is taking a turn. <laughs> Um, so she's like, that escalated quickly. Right. So she's like, she's fling, trying to fling them off, basically. So it's going like 60 miles an hour down this road. They hear, like, the three of them are still, Melanie, um, Justin, New, and Parks are still like walking down the road back to the lab unit that they don't know is now mobile. They see it coming down the road. She doesn't stop for them. She just keeps going. They end up finding the vehicle. But before that, Sergeant or Dr. Caldwell stops and because she comes to like, um, it's a wall. Okay. So it's a wall of this fungus that has this tree fungus that has grown now. So she okay. stops there because she can't go anywhere else. The, obviously, the kids are not following her anymore. She still has the one stuck in the door. So she goes, gets a bone saw, hacks his head off. So they, so they come up on the scene. They obviously see the body in the on the road. And they're like, obviously, Dr. Caldwell did this. They had taped the windows before. So they, the, the tape comes down and Dr. Caldwell looks at him. And they're like, basically like, what the fuck? <laughs> what, just, what are you? What was all that about? And they're like, let us in. And she's like, no. And then closes the window back up and leaves them outside. <laughs> Melanie tricks Dr. Caldwell. She has the micro. She has the walkie. So she finds the channel that's on the same one as the lab and acts like she's beacon. She, oh. So, but it sounds like it's coming from, they're like, yeah, we, we found the mobile lab unit. It's not, we don't see any, anybody inside or we're not getting anything from inside. So Dr. Caldwell's like, oh my God, they're here. They found us. So she dones the suit. Oh, that's smart. And like she runs outside. So like she gets in and Melanie's like just sitting in the chair and oh, like creepy. reading her notes. I was like, this is like amazing. Why didn't they do this in the movie? Like Melanie just yeah, comes up is... and is just like, tell me what this is about. Tell me, tell me about your research. The the movie, the characters do like a 180 degree shift from just coming together and learning to essentially see the humanity of one another right. to Melanie saying, screw that. I'm going to wipe out the entire human population. This yeah. is way more intriguing. 
So Dr. Caldwell sits and she tells her about the research, she tells her what she finds. And that's when she tells her basically that she ate what her mom. What she is. Yeah. yeah, what she is. Uh, Dr. Caldwell just tells her there is no cure. You know, there's basically nothing. You are the second generation of what's probably going to be the new humanity now. There is nothing. There's not going to be a cure. And then, okay, so that is that is monumentally different because if you tell me in the movie that Caldwell comes to the conclusion that there is no cure, then I'm a little more in line with what Melanie does, and, and I understand with her knowledge of that how that affects her decision. You don't get that in the movie. That is crazy. So I mean, Dr. Caldwell just dies. There's not, I don't think, I think, I don't, I don't know. I didn't get from the book whether Melanie ended up just killing her at the end or she just succumbed to her um, wound wound and died. But um, eventually the children find Justin New in parks and are like shooting and stuff. And Melanie like calls him on the walkie and is like, oh my God, what has happened? She and she's like, I'm coming, you know, I'm basically coming to save the day. Um, the leader hits her with a bat. The mask comes off. They end up fighting to the death. Mel- uh, Melanie beats him with a bat. So that's basically true to the movie. Yeah. In some she, point, she does, like she, she does, does fight the, the alpha and, and kills him with the bat. Yeah. So the, now that all the other kids are like scared, basically, because their their leader is now dead. So they um, Parks carries Justin back to the pod and all the kids are kind of like following behind them at like a, a distance. They put her Justin in the pod. Sergeant Park is like, basically, I'm going to turn into a hungry. I need to get out of here. And Melanie's like, um, no, we have to do something. I need your help. And so he's like, oh, I got to help her do this one, one thing. So like, he has no idea what he's doing. She just says, we have to do this because he's, he's thinking like, this is a, she's trying to clear a path for us to drive out right? or drive them to out basically. Cause he knows he's gone. Um, he's like, this isn't going to work. It's too thick. We're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to drive through this. Um, she's like, don't worry. We, it's fine. We're good. So she takes him out. They sit down at this like overturned wheelbarrow. And, and then he's like, well, he gives her her, his gun. Um, he wants her to kill her like in the movie, kill him. Um, so she's like, she takes the weapon and then he's like, what did we do? Cause he's like slowly like, okay, what did we do? And he's like, don't make me take that weapon away and shoot you. Basically tell me what we did. Um, so she ends up telling him and then like, then he's dead. <laughs> Basically, you know, um, she shoots him and then that's it. Like she goes back in, Miss Justin is awake and then realizes like she's now the prisoner in this. Right. So the movie ends and with Miss Justin being locked inside of this, uh, mobile lab unit. Yeah. And she is essentially using this, this, the double door feature to hold class like she did Mm -hmm. on base. And she's now teaching not only Melanie, but this group of feral children they stumbled across. The, the ending wasn't great. I wasn't a huge fan. Um, but I don't want to hear your thoughts yet. Let's do the questions, and yeah. then we can talk about whether or not you like this movie. So as you may or may not be aware, uh, we have established three questions that will hopefully help us determine whether or not this is a good movie. So uh, as it pertains to 2016's The Girl with All the Gifts, uh, question number one, what was the message of the film and do you agree with it? I don't 
know. Is there a message really in a zombie-ish type of movie? Oh, of course. There's always I a message. I mean, I don't I don't really know if there was a message. I don't to me, I just feel like it's like a Pandora's box, like you don't ever want to open it kind of situation. Okay. Okay. I, I got I got more of a broader message. I think it plays into humanity and and being um accepting of others i want to say i think the message of the film was playing into the acceptance of others i think you see sergeant parker start you know becoming more and more accepting of uh miss justinu i think you see um melanie become more and more accepting of her surroundings and everybody becomes more and more accepting of melanie and ultimately at the end it's this kind of out with the old and with the new type thing. I don't know. It's it's yeah, a very I mean, unclear message. I guess I can see that. I mean, I mean, I guess it's like the humanity part, like be accepting of we all are going to end up doing something that we may live to regret in this type of environment, like in this crazy you know, post-apocalyptic world, we're going to end up, you know, doing things that we wouldn't normally do as we would, you know, if this was like a normal everyday scenario right just new is like kind of the wrench in the plan she's the you know like she's the humanity she's she's the one yeah she's the one that has humanity the whole time um and is like we these are children these you know these aren't monsters no matter how you look at it whether they eat meat or you know vegetables (laughs) they're these are these are the children and maybe she is like the saving grace out of the group that makes sergeant parks you know like try to not be as more militarized you know but i I guess what's confusing about that is is if we are going to go with that as the message uh, ultimately sergeant parks is kind of right because melanie kills everybody i mean not not directly but she releases the spores and everybody's gonna die because of that well i mean i think in her way of thinking the second generation needs to happen right because if you keep dissecting all these you know the these children you're not going to have anything left because eventually these spores are going to get out one way or another something is going to happen and the spores are going to get out um someone's going to test the theory you know like they talk about the spores in the book how like they could travel great distances for many many years you know it's hard to fight against like a microscopic thing that you can't see so she's like we're the second generation and she's basically made Miss Justinu, the teacher of the second generation. She's made her like this, you know, this adult motherly figure that's going to raise these children to educate them like Melanie is. And maybe that's how they're going to build up humanity again. It's just, it's it's very convoluted to me. It's a, it's a hard, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Can Zom- I mean, there's like, I, there's a zombie movie. Is there really a message in a zombie movie? It's a good point. It's a good point. Um, <laughs> All right, question number two. How did the movie leave you feeling, and do you think it was intentional? I don't know. I I needed more. Like, really, I just needed to have more of a, like, I want more kind of feeling. Like, I just felt like it was just like... What aspect of the story made you want more? What storyline did you want to see continue? I think it was harder. It's harder for me to say that because I read the book, so I know what it was supposed to be. Right. You know, Melanie's like, but in the book, she doesn't stay in the pod. She's like in the suit. Mm-hmm. And Melanie's like the watchdog of all the kids and is like, don't touch her. Melanie and Miss Justin is just teaching. And that's how it is. Like, that's how it ends. It's just her teaching these children. Would have wanted I don't, to have a second one. I think I probably would have wanted more of maybe Sergeant Park surviving. And then like there being like a family 
dynamic between all three of them because obviously I, they got together and then maybe Melanie's a child and then and they're all kind of like in this environment where they're like forgetting about Beacon because Beacon's totally forgot about it at this point. Right. They just forget about Bacon, Beacon and they're just focusing on these children. Well, they, they allude in the movie that Beacon has been overrun. They don't come yeah. right out and say it, but there's several attempts to contact Beacon that go unanswered. And there's some some hints in the background of, of Beacon being overrun. Yeah, so I think in that aspect, I think I that's where I would want more of a storyline. I kind of was just left like wanting more. And I don't know if that's intentional because obviously it didn't do good in the box office. There's not going to be a second movie. Um, but I, isn't there a second book coming out? The Boy on the Bridge or something? Oh, I don't know. I, I didn't see anything in my research on that, but that's not to say, I mean, I didn't do a lot of research on the book. That would be crazy. I'd be interested in seeing what that storyline is. Yeah. So there's a second book coming or if it's the already out, I'm not really bridge. sure. Yeah. And it's the same background as the first book. So it's the same orange, yellow silhouette of a boy. Huh. So, so yeah. I so smell there's season three. <laughs> so, the, I mean, so maybe there is going to discuss. Yeah. So maybe there. I, I did not. I will not read that book, but um, <laughs> maybe I'm just I can't get past like 60 pages of like they're still like walking through the city. And then like the last three <laughs> chapters, the action happens like I can't. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you when 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 watching the movie, um, I was left feeling a bit underwhelmed. Um, I didn't like the ending. I didn't like the 180 degree turn the characters made, especially Melanie. I think it kind of betrayed her her story leading up to that point to to make her make that decision. And it's it But did it really though? I mean, like it think did, about because this. She was treated a, so bad in the beginning, right? right? But, she was but called their then why emotions. Not, then why not turn on them at any point throughout the movie? Because why she wait cares until the about end when there's hope there? Because she cares about Miss Justin. So she doesn't want to turn on Miss Justin. She hates Dr. Cobble. She pretty much is like, screw you. Yeah, yeah, Gallagher, I, she I thinks don't know. I stupid. Just, I don't. Parks I think, I think your explanation, you. your explanation of the book made it seem like it was definitely more of a build up to her decision. And it makes more sense in that context yeah. of understanding there is no cure. In the movie, it was just kind of like you're going around, you're helping these humans, you have the same goal up until the very end and then your goal does a 180 for what appears to be little to no reason well and, yeah i guess in the movie she says it's like he sergeant parks is like why and she's like it was you or us basically yeah, she it, made it's the inevitable, choice between you know, which yeah. it, i didn't get that sense so and i don't think that was intentional um uh, question number three what is the most important sequence in the movie the gallagher sequence basically where gallagher start like where he gets eaten because basically you realize like these are smart creatures like they've set this to they put food on the road for him and he follows this trail like hansel and gretel you know like he's like yeah. following the breadcrumbs to the, like the stock of food um because that just sets the chain of events for everything that introduces the the new children she sees them you know and she's like she she knows that they're more like her. I think that sets the whole tone for the movie. Um, but it's towards the end again. Like it's like hour right. thirty. And that <laughs> that's the only reason why I can't agree with that. I mean, I I, I think that's an important sequence because it sets up the ending. But to me, the most important sequence is really the the beginning. Them on the base where you have these children getting carted around in wheelchairs and they're in, you know, essentially prison uniform because 
it it shows you this chained up innocence and how this world is dark now this world is gritty and and even children are things you have to look at wondering if they're gonna you know hurt you and i think that kind of sets up like this is a no bullshit scenario that they're in i guess i mean i guess that's right because you're just like who in their right mind would ever have test children test subjects like why aren't they starting with like the adults at this point or like why why are these children being the ones that are you know the smart ones or i guess i could see how that that the first part of the movie i mean it's a great opening sequence and that's how it happens in the book too like that's how the opening they follow that to like pretty much a t yeah and then i guess the introduction dr caldwell she's like walking down like the hallways and yeah that was really cool i like that could be i just you know i really wish they would have played up dr caldwell's character more she was the highlight of the book i believe like just the craziness that she was because in the one we didn't talk about this in one of the scenes she actually chases melanie through that house that they're like that insane hospital that they're in she chases (laughs) her and that's how they end up finding that one guy um in the in the book he's actually like singing so they're like that's like why it's like oh my why is he singing you know like it's a very like odd thing for him to be doing so i gotta i gotta ask you then on a scale of one to ten uh one being horrible and ten being a masterpiece what do you rate this movie was it good yeah for for what the book was the movie i think it was decent i would rate it like a 5.5 i i would also give it a five um but i would not describe it as decent i i think it was I mean, no, I guess de- I guess the decent is a good word. Was decent. I think it it was a good concept to an a comparing it just to a regular old zombie movie. I think they yeah. did it very. Well, I like I like the new take. approach. I like that zombies weren't weren't the center of the movie. Um, it was decent. It would have been a lot better had the ending not been what it was. The ending to me really screwed the pooch. Up until yeah. that point, it was it was halfway good. I probably would have gotten a seven. But the ending brings it down to a five. So all in all, was it a good movie? Eh, I could go either way. It was decent. If you get the opportunity to watch it, um, take it. Maybe play it in the background. It's definitely one of those movies that I don't think you have to pay all that much attention to. Yeah. You can get the gist of it. Um, it. It got a lot of comparisons when it first came out at 28 Days Later. And also The Last of Us video game. Um, both of which I could totally see pandemic movies and zombies and so on. Um, but 28 Days is definitely a far better, far more superior movie. I agree. It was a. I'm very zombie movie. I love zombie movies. The, uh, the filming of this movie took seven weeks, which That's is it? yeah, not not bad at all. I mean, you have a very low number of actors. There's also a very small budget. It doesn't surprise me that the filming was quick, um, but seven weeks is definitely a rush. I guess when you're in Chernobyl, um, you don't have to deal with a lot of people screwing up shots and everything or extras. The book is uh, actually a short story. That he uh, made into a novel. I did not know that. Yeah. Interesting. So maybe there was a lot. Maybe the maybe it's more based on the short story than it is the whole novel. We'll have to do. We'll have to do the a sequel where you read the short story instead of the novel, and then watch no. it all over again. Yeah, we had to find out about her book for me to read. <laughs> so I don't know if you know about um, Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes is a website where they rate movies. Uh, they both rate it by critics and audience. And we like to play a little game here called Guess That Tomato. (music) 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you guess the audience score for 2016's The Girl with All the Gifts. Then I'm going to give you a couple hints and see if you want to change your score, and we'll see how close you get. So on a scale of 0 to 100, 5,000 people rated this movie. What do you think they rated it? 55. 55. Okay, good guess. I'm going to give you the critics rating of this movie. 128 critics rated this movie in 85. Oh. I'm also going to give you three movies that are within 2% of this movie's rating. You ready? Yeah. Movie number one, Zombieland Double Tap, the sequel, the follow-up to the 2009 movie that did the unthinkable, they killed Bill Murray. Movie number two, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, 2019's craziest (laughs) casting choice when they picked on-screen heartthrob Ryan Reynolds to play a completely CGI character. That was smart thinking. And then movie number three, Magic Mike XXL, (laughs) which, if you watch it in reverse, is about a group of guys who pay women to watch them get dressed. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like the other way, but I mean, <laughs> that works too. So you guessed a 55. Do you want to change that guess at all? Um, from the critic, I hate critic. Um, I'm not a very big fan of film critics because I just think they're old people that just like don't get movies. Um, That's very well put, by the way. <laughs> I, um, I'll go 65. 65. The audience score for 2016's The Girl with All the Gifts is... Sixty-seven. Yeah, you were close. You were real close <laughs> to your second guess. It's awesome. I I hate critics. I just I just don't understand them. <laughs> so, uh, as as a an entity of DFA Entertainment, it's a firm believer of the owners. Don't forget a towel that everybody geeks out on something. While it may not be movies and comic books, maybe it's zombies and dissecting children. So I've got to ask you, Chelsea, what is it you're geeking out on right now, mm-hmm. other than reading? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I do enjoy the Sims game. I haven't played in a while. They just came out with a new patch the other day, I believe. Um, the, so your, your computer game. I'm like computer. Yeah. Okay. This isn't a phone download. Do they, they have a mobile app now, don't they? They do, but that's lame. They it's lame. That. Completely no. lame. Come on. Sims four. Like, yeah, I had the Sims growing up. I loved the Sims, but I didn't actually play the Sims. What I did was I'd log in and I would build the houses. Oh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Hours of fun. And then once once you get to the point of playing the game, I would just destroy the house and and start over. That's what Alec likes to do. He just builds houses. (laughs) That sounds about right. Yeah, so. So have you been playing for a while? Um, I have played probably since I was in middle school, so. What is the longest you've kept a character alive? Oh, I don't know. Do they they die of old age? They do, but there's also a cheat code where you can have them live forever. Um, So. There's also a cheat code where you get more money. Um, I think I've made it through maybe like two or three generations. Probably not like the best, but like my family has gone through a few generations. Wow. That's pretty impressive. It's dedication. I mean, I don't have my computer in here, but I probably could tell you like how many hours I've played of Sims, which is probably not. <laughs> hey, everybody's got their thing though. You can like pick their favorite colors now and it sounds you exciting. Can pick their favorite color. I mean, I could. How have we lived this long 
without being able to do that for our sims that's what i'm saying like why hasn't what 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 are the developers doing like why haven't they i want to know how that affects like if you pick their favorite color to be red and then make their entire house like green will they just go ape shit and and just freak out well yeah so like that's part of the play right so they don't like certain things and if certain things happen around them they get like angry or like this make that affects their behavior and moods so that's part of the the gameplay i sound like a total tweet right now (laughs) (laughs) trust me we've had way worse on the show i I just got um star wars squadrons which is tie fighting in in vr and i'm stoked to do it and the kids are excited see i don't amelia so i don't know i feel like you know what i feel i feel like we're letting our daughter down a little bit let's get off topic here isn't like all these kids are like playing minecraft and i my daughter has no idea what minecraft is it's crazy Jason's obsessed with Minecraft and I'm I'm looking at the I spent I spent my entire generation getting video games to the VR point and now they're back. regressing to Minecraft this is ridiculous. I feel like I'm like is Minecraft the game where you like try to find the bombs on like the that little like it's <laughs> mine sweep but close. But close. Is, it, is, it, is that the same concept? Very like, similar. I don't understand yeah. it. And I feel like we're letting Amelia down because, like, all these people know, like, they're growing up in this generation of Minecraft. And I'm like, go play soccer. Like, I don't <laughs> understand. But, Chelsea, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for spending the time reading the book and watching the movie. Uh, any Anything you want to say before we sign off? Um, This was fun. Let's do it again. Stop sounding so surprised. I, I am. I'm very surprised. I think it's more fun because I read the book. But now we've locked you in. You got a special episode every season. Oh, yeah. So just tell me what I got to read. Make it interesting, though. Don't make me read. No, like... you've got to tell me. No, you're see, the, you're the book person. You've got to read not... a good book. And then I'm not a decision me. person. That's the problem. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Chelsea. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good night. Bye. You've got Gutsy Media Podcast. Leave a message about any movies you've covered and maybe we'll add to the show. Thanks. Hello. I like to, to fancy myself as a zombie aficionado, and I do like this movie, The Girl with All the Gifts. It's a very good zombie movie for multiple reasons. First, the ending is surprising. It's got a very different ending than most usual zombie movies. Two, the little girl, the black girl, who I didn't think could be a good actor, but she is, she does a fantastic job throughout this entire movie. And then there's the military people. Now, they're racist, like myself, but I enjoyed every part of this movie. So it was a good one, and I recommend everybody read the book and everybody watch the movie, because the movie's so good. The movie I like. I'll talk to you later. Thank you, and goodbye. Have a good day, sir.